welcome back to another episode of Crossing Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian Reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus is King. There is no neutrality. There is no exile, and there is no surrender. My name is Jason. Thank you all for being with us again. This here is John. How we doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm okay. Long week. Yeah. Good week though. It often is the same actual length. The week that is. Yeah, it, it is. But sometimes it doesn't feel. It like feels it. like it's two <laughs> weeks and jammed into one week. Anything uh, going on? Any fun books you are reading at the moment? Um, not really. No. I'm reading. Uh, Christopher Wright has "Here Are Your Gods," an interesting study on idolatry in the Old Testament. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating interesting. Read. Yeah. yeah, I did a lot of. Uh, Variance analysis on large contracts for work. Okay. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> Spreadsheets. That's right. Databases. That's what I'm talking about. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. <laughs> well, hey, just some housekeeping stuff from us here. Nothing too crazy, as is the normal. We have our podcast on iTunes and Google Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, everywhere. You can find a podcast. We should be there as long as everything goes well. We're there also at lambsrain.com slash CCR, and we always, of course, would love to have an invitation for you to partner with us in ministry. How can they do that? Yeah, just go to lambsrain.com slash support, and you can give on a reoccurring basis or just once, and we'd very much appreciate it. It helps us keep the lights on. It helps us pay for all the software we need to get this done, and uh, yeah. It's very good. You don't make a ton of money doing this, so we'd appreciate it. Yeah, not 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 <laughs> nor, our full time. Nor would we really expect to. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not our full time gig. So no. I I always joke. I'm like tri vocational. You know, everybody. Oh like, yeah, vocational pastors. Yeah. <laughs> tri vocational. There, step it up. But anyway, thanks. Thank you all for your um, support and messages we received from last week's episode, talking about the new book, Health for All of Life. I appreciate that support. Um, lots of awesome stuff you can learn and take control over your own health, and especially some of the doctors and people that I've learned from, and you can read that in the second appendix, just people you should be learning from. I think there's very helpful people that have found um, ways to utilize God's creation to support that, and yeah. so I appreciate you should, that. You should be learning from Dr. Jason Garwood as well, yeah. listeners. Yeah, I'm not a medical doctor, but I know a lot of them. You know some doctor stuff. <laughs> yeah. In the realm of the theology. In the realm of the theology. That's right. But yeah, anyway, thank you all for for uh, your messages on that. I appreciate that. We appreciate it. So kind of in lieu of that, um, we have some interesting stuff to discuss. Later on in the second half of the episode, we're going to talk about Dat Postmill, something we love. Nice. Uh, especially in light of all that's going on, we joked about recording the last episode how, you know, if... We didn't know who was going to win. Yeah, we might have a president tomorrow, but we might not. And if I we think- don't... By the next recording, something's going on. And we don't. Exactly, at <laughs> least. So yeah. kind of depends on who you ask, There's which a is lot oftentimes of, the case, right? A lot of things are up in the air with this, but that's the way things go sometimes. Um, but in light of that, we'll, we'll talk more later, obviously, about that post mill. But sure. the first segment, we want to talk about social media. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you and uh, our friend Jordan Wilson got zucked. Yep. We got zucked. Man, oh, no, not good. I, you know what? And, and I've had people ask, what's going on? What's going on? I don't even know. We don't even, we don't know. There's, I had a personal. I just expect you to be much more active on, say, like the pages now, not the. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have access to the pages. So if you just get the pages removed yeah, yeah. next time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, th- this is a sob story here, real quick. Yeah. Sure. Go I, for it. I, 12, 13 years of memories. That's the thing that got me the most. My wife and I, Mary, were talking about you know, losing a profile that you've had for 12 or 13 years. And one of my favorite features was seeing the memories and going back and saying, wow, I I remember going to, you know, Tennessee that weekend and Uh got to see my grandfather or my grandmother or whoever. I mean, it seems like a small thing on the surface, but I totally get where you're coming from because I've had Facebook since you had to have a college email to get Facebook. (laughs) And I only had a college email at the time because I was concurrently enrolled in high school. So I was like 17 or something. And I was one of those cool kids, you know, early adopters of Facebook. Right. And I've had it forever. I had it before there was, you know, a feed and before all these different features. And, um, yeah, I'd be, I would be pretty annoyed if I lost all that. Well, on top of that, they, um, doxed my profile and my public page. So yeah, 
which, you know, maybe that was a mistake. I'm, I'm trying to wonder if maybe, I'm trying to think maybe that was a tactical error, the public page, because definitely you get a lot more attention, I, I think, personally, because you can, it's always public. Everything you post is yeah. public. And yeah. so I don't know if there was something related to that. And, and I don't know. And well, even gone. the things you post that are private are still public to Facebook. That's true. But they can I, see it, it also is like people that might be targeting you specifically reporting posts. It's really hard to say how it works. Yeah, I don't know. I just got the the little Facebook gnomes working underground. Mm-hmm. All the mecha, you know, mechanisms and pulling levers for Zuckerberg. Somebody yeah. pulled a yeah. Some, Something's going did. on. Well, whatever it happened. And, and Jordan's gone as well. Jordan's gone. A, a Lamb's Reign founder and editor and a former host of Cross and Crown Radio. Still our great friend. Yeah. Uh, he's also gone from the Facebook. Gone. Just like that. Does he have his alternative account up? Uh, or is that also gone? I'm not sure. Well, I think he was jailed too. That's the other thing. I put up another profile <laughs> and three days later, gone again. I'm in jail and I appealed it this time. We couldn't appeal the first time, which was weird because they just said it goes against our community standards. And What it's do you think undone. it was? Do you think it was like know. election stuff, vaccine stuff? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe vaccine stuff. Maybe they the just book. They didn't like what you looked. I feel like I shared the book and it was very <laughs> shortly after there. And and I don't know. Maybe what, some people associated with the book or people you tagged. Yes. So the Bollingers are the Bollingers, censored, yeah. so uh, it's it's hard to say. Is Kennedy censored censored as well? Uh, I think he I might be. Maybe he's uh-huh. pretty active on Instagram with Children's Health Defense, but kicking a Kennedy off of Facebook would yeah. then that actually might get, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a big deal. That could change some yeah. things. I don't know. It's hard to speculate. I just wish they'd tell you. That's the other thing. They just say it violated community standards. Yeah, that's really frustrating. That's happened to me before, too. I haven't been kicked out permanently, but I've definitely been in Facebook jail. If you haven't been in Facebook jail, have you really even lived? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of times they don't tell you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And, and I think I think they're annoying. also like, I don't know if people call it shadow banning or they're censoring. You know, I would put out something on the public page and I, you, you can tell how many people see it. And yeah. it was hardly anyone out of 4,000 followers on there. No one. But then you post it on your personal account and lots of people see it. So yeah. I don't understand the algorithm stuff. The algorithms are confusing. I um, When I was an admin of the Abolish Human Abortion page, uh, we started that page back in, I think, 2011 or 2012. And it was before the algorithm was as complex it was. So anything we posted all of our followers would see. Yeah. And that's like how we got so much steam to the point where we had 60, 70,000 likes to the point where it's like, yeah, that's hard to build now. That's really, it was kind of easy to build for us initially, <laughs> but, um, well now everybody relies on shares because yeah. you have to get it in front of people or you pay. Yeah. You, know, you to, to pay to a, boost it. Yeah, right. You can boost it that way. But yeah, I feel like, man, if you follow something, you should be able to see it when they post it. Yeah. It should be simple, Yeah, but it's not. It's not. So the in light of all of that, I'm not back on Facebook at this point. Yeah. But we can So how can we contact we'll you talk if you really to, wanted to? Well, my website I've I've actually gonna put more on jasongarwood.com, my blog. You can sign yeah. up and get um the emails directly sent sure. to you and and um uh, you know, we'll talk about a little bit in a more minute in a minute, like what else is out there. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, I'm on Gab. Gab's my new favorite. Um me, we, parlor. I don't like parlors much, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. So I, I the the reason we wanted to talk about this essentially because what is the ethical nature of of social media? Yeah. Right? There's what a couple different angles, right? A couple different angles in which we can talk about this. Because I I haven't said this to anyone. I ha't said, oh, I got I I got deplatformed because free speech. Yeah. I haven't said that at all, and there's a reason for it. But but I was censored. Some somebody did something somewhere. Yeah, axed me, axed Jordan, a couple other people from Crossing Crown Church, which is beyond me. Why they were included in that, I don't know. But the question is, does Facebook have this right legally? What do you think? Yeah, well, there, <laughs> like you just asked, there's the legal question, and then there's more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also legal according to like man's law or legal according to God's law. So I'd say according to God's law, they definitely have the right to do this. Um, some people have made the argument that Facebook is more like a public utility, like a public service. Um, and therefore they have to act in this kind of radically impartial way. They shut off my water. Yeah, exactly. Even though I paid the bill, that, that kind of thing. Right. And my point is like, regardless of how Facebook functions, it is still a privately owned company. 
And, and so, so far as I see this, as far as like biblical ethics go, biblical economics go, it is a platform that they are providing other people. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're abiding by their terms and services, then they are not doing anything wrong. So if they said in their terms of services that they would not ban people for X, Y, Z, and then they go and do that, then that would be a breach of contract. Then they failed to fulfill their end of the contract. Exactly. But their terms and services are so vague and and convoluted (laughs) convoluted that, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really necessarily surprise me that you have violated their terms and services. I'm sure I have many times. (laughs) They just don't care as much right now. For whatever reason. reason. So it's... It's as far as God's law goes, civilly, I would say they don't, they're not really doing anything wrong. Now, morally, I think that's a, that's a different question. Yeah. Cause I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't think that my, my response to this isn't, oh, they're trying to suppress free speech. Well, okay. Maybe they don't, maybe they're nefarious and there's just all sorts of malfeasance going on behind closed doors Maybe that's the case, mm-hmm. and perhaps well, they're, they're we should doing, be concerned. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a very bad at suppressing your free speech because you have a podcast and you're talking to me right now. And <laughs> I think the issue is that I have a blog. So yeah, <laughs> you have yeah. a blog. <laughs> you know that that's the thing is like, just because you have a freedom of speech doesn't mean that some you're, you're entitled to somebody else's megaphone. And exactly. Facebook was providing you a platform and a, a megaphone, if you will, to speak. And I think they they ethically should be more fair. Right. But that's the ethical question, not necessarily like the, the legal question. Correct. So right. I'm not I'm not going to use the free speech argument because, well, that's we'll come back to. But that's <laughs> yeah. not my argument. They are a private company. They can do what they want with it. If they don't want me in their quote unquote house, then uh, OK. Yeah, I guess I have to leave and I'm not welcome there. And it's unfortunate, but <laughs> it is what, what it is. is yeah. right? It is what it is. Yeah. But what about morally? Yeah. The like, moral question. Well, I think um, whenever you get into that question, you start talking about censorship, community standards, uh, freedom of speech, these big questions, right? And this is all, you know, big issues right now. You get into what's politically correct, which was a big issue in like the early 90s, and now it's a big issue again. And a lot of times this is a very reactionary social trends. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it is, I think we have to, admit just on the front end that freedom of speech should be limited in certain ways. <laughs> Everybody believes in some sort of censorship, some, right? Some sort of limitations on your freedom to express yourself or uh, express your speech or your desires because, I mean, there's the obvious radical examples, like like hardcore, extremely violent scenes shouldn't be, say, spread out to children in the world mm-hmm. or ch- children, uh, child p- pornography, for example, something that's very, very obviously wrong. That should be censored. But then you get into other questions. Like, what about, say, Nazism? Like, should there be Nazi Facebook groups? Should that be censored? Uh, and then you get into, well, maybe not Nazis, but what about people who are just like white supremacists but not Nazis? Well, if we're going we're gonna to boot them too, okay, great. What about um, just white nationalists or just hardcore nationalists or just racists? Or, you know, you start asking these questions. Someone, or anybody who yeah. posts a Confederate flag or... Kinists, people or who... Kinists, right. You're not supposed to marry outside your kind, whatever that is. Yeah, you? yeah. So you get into these questions of, yeah, I think community standards is a good thing. And it's not necessarily as easy as it sounds at first to start <laughs> developing these community standards. Like, what is a credible threat of violence? Like, that's kind of one of the community standards is that you're not supposed to make actual threats of violence about about other people. Um, and, you know, what does that mean all the time? Because I've seen lots of things on social media calling for windows to be broken and cars to be overturned and uh, cops assaulted and all these different acts of violence. It's usually not censored, but other kinds of acts of violence are. And, and think about this. You have millions and millions and millions of people. I don't know how many users Facebook has. I think it's over a billion. Yeah, quite I a think bit. They, yeah. So you, you have a billion people, let's just say, around the world using this Right, and yeah. they're posting live videos and sharing things and all all sorts of stuff, pictures, you name it. And they have a set of community standards that we all agree to. The terms and service. We sign up. We click. We click yes, even though 
I don't know if you read, I've never read the entire <laughs> terms. of. I've tried to skim through and just pick out some stuff, but I've never read every single word of any terms of service. Right. Which is a interesting kind of legal thing. You know, there <laughs> has been cases thrown out before where there wasn't a reasonable expectation of somebody being able to read and understand the terms and services that they're signing up for. Yeah, when it's 15 pages and it's all small print and you're right. just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Yeah, what is reasonable? I got to spend three weeks reading this thing before yeah. I sign up. I have to get a law degree first. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But so we do agree with community standards. There should be some level of accountability to people. So you have a billion people using Facebook. They have, there's been videos. There was something recently about somebody took their own life on a live video. Yeah. And they had to like get to it immediately. So it wouldn't. Right. So there's people there that are watching this stuff unfold. And a lot of times it's not people too. A lot of times it's artificial intelligence. Yeah. They different might, programs and algorithms. And there's words that are flagged. I'm yeah. Pretty sure the vaccine words flagged. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I've made posts before from a page that I run condemning white supremacy and racism and um, misogyny and condemning all these things. And because I used those words, it gets flagged and taken down mm-hmm. when I was condemning it. And it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like, that was totally just a artificial intelligence algorithm. And Instagram is really interesting too, because you can post something like a, you're, you're posting pictures. Some of them have words on it. Some of them don't. Yeah. But if they're, if they, they had the technology and this happened to me, where the vaccine word was mentioned in a picture yeah, and automatically at the bottom, visit the cdc.gov website yep. or yep. COVID-19. Find more about COVID-19 yeah. clicking here. So they're, they're quite capable of being on it. People are throwing fits, of course, because <laughs> everything's flagged or the fact checkers stuff. Sure. Who's, um, who's checking the fact checkers, that kind of question? Yeah. Snopes has been, you know, a noble effort, but not always right. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, you're right. They get in their company. They have a product and a service. I can't imagine how incredibly difficult that is. It's got to be massive. And I'm not on team Facebook, like morally necessarily, but at the same time, it's like you're dealing with hundreds of millions of users at least, uh, if not a billion. And like, how do they just keep hardcore pornography off of there mm-hmm. or people killing themselves or torture porn or, or all these different things are just absolutely reprehensible that shouldn't be on there. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a lot to deal with. And then you report someone, it gets flagged. Somebody's checking it out. I mean, there's there's yeah, but that's a lot of moles to try to keep keep right. the whack a mole game. It's a lot a lot to handle. And but we agree, like morally though, that's you know that's a different argument. We're not sure morally Facebook has the biblical presuppositional worldview that we do. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Zuckerberg needs that on his on his plate, but. Um, but well, again, what's the standard? What's the standard for what is right, what right. is wrong? And, and I think we all we all should agree that there should be community standards. A lot of times the kind of free speech flag is waved, right? A lot. But I think when you consider these things, you realize you don't really want absolute free speech. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and if if you don't have that sort of limitations upon speech, I think it can really dissolve into an extremely unhealthy, extremely toxic, very much, very dark, dark place when you're dealing with almost like, you know, dark net sort of, Mm -hmm. sort of grossness. And people talking about assassinating a certain political leader or lots of conspiratorial, um, damaging terrorist and terrorist in the broadest sense possible. (laughs) It could be domestic, you know, white nationalist terrorism, whatever. Um, a lot of people saying a lot of different things about it, but yeah, we agree that there are standards. There should be a standard and it, it ought to be monitored how you do it. I don't even, I'm not even sure, but the big question ties into though, the tolerance of intolerance. Yeah. Talk about that for a second. Well, it's, it's uh there's a philosopher, Austrian, I think British philosopher named Karl Popper. And he talked about this, this paradox where, in we we are attempting to be a tolerant society, so we have tolerance as a social virtue, right? But the problem is, is that in a tolerant society or a society that is trying to be tolerant, can a tolerant society tolerate people who are intolerant? Right, <laughs> that's the question. So a society that's saying, "Hey, we accept all. We have this these open doors to these different ideas and beliefs." Well. Are they opening their doors to Nazis or the Aryan nation or, you know, some radical left wing groups that are, you know, similar to that, you know, uh, 
you know, anti-Semites, racist, you know, are they tolerant towards the most intolerant elements of society? And if they are tolerant towards them, well, what if, what if those groups start getting popular, pop more popular? Mm-hmm. What if they start getting yeah. influence? Cause then that tolerant society will very quickly cease to be tolerant in any way. Um, so that, the, the idea is that in order to have a tolerant society, there actually has to be limitations upon tolerance and there's never this absolute tolerance. Uh, it's impossible. So it's the idea of the, the intolerance of tolerance. And I think we see that right now in society and we see it in many different ways. I think even when you look at God's law and how God's law is very tolerant of different ideas and beliefs, but not all of them, right? You don't have the right to uh, falsely test, uh, falsely uh, testify against your neighbor. Yeah, you don't have witness, that. Yeah. You don't have that right. That is illegal. And if you do that, then you would be guilty of the, uh, of the same crime or the punishment would be the same yeah. for you. Yeah. Free speech in God's law. You don't, you're not free to say whatever you want. You're not yeah. at all. And we shouldn't be so naive as to think that we should be able to, because there are certain parameters, even in God's law that deal with these things. Yeah. So you're right. You're kind of, you didn't say the word, but I was thinking pluralism. Yes. Lots of pluralism in our culture, a very pluralistic culture where you have many, many, many different worldviews colliding. People with genuine Marxist convictions because they've read Marx and are, you know, they're on that train or or an atheistic worldview, uh, right. pagan worldview, Mormon worldview, all these different worldviews that are coming to the table and they're interacting in society. So ultimately, no one, for example, is free to to worship whoever they want in an ultimate sense. Yeah. Because they will be judged by God. It's almost like everybody has their own heresy. Yeah. It's just a social heresy. Correct. Yeah. So for the question of penology though and idolatry, that's a different episode for a different time. But like punishments and yeah. so on and so forth. So how yeah. do you you know how do you navigate the standards of God's law in a society we're not obviously close to that. We have a lot of regeneration that needs to happen sure. <laughs> in our culture. There's a lot of that that needs to happen um, top down everywhere from God's Holy Spirit. Um, but that, yeah, that, I think that's that's the big difficult question, though, is we're in a pluralistic society. Free speech is not really free. You've maybe caught wind of some of AOC's tweets, and there's rumors of, hey, we need to keep track of who these Trump people are that were with him and in staff, and sort of a blacklist, you know, type thing. And, you know, that's that's kind of a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if... What are you planning on doing with that list? Yeah, what's know? this... What are you trying to do here for the future? And It kind of crosses the line from accountability, from your public officials uh, being publicly accountable to kind of this creepy deep state sort of yeah. action. Yeah. Yeah, and if you... I mean, if you have a an idea and you want it to get out there, then persuade people to get... Your idea. Yeah. I mean, that's what the gospel should be, is we're persuading people mm. by the power of the Spirit to bring them along. But but we're, we're in a big mess, man, with social media. There's a lot going on with censorship, and yeah. maybe some of it's right, some of it's wrong, but it's not if there'll be censorship, but what censorship, right? Well, what yeah, standard? I always hear people railing about Facebook censoring, how Facebook should never censor, and I was like, look, I agree that it shouldn't censor all the things it does, but for every post from good reformed pastor talking about vaccines that taken off that's taken off there's probably a thousand posts that probably should have been taken yeah. off yes uh so i don't want to criticize them too much but they still have plenty to be criticized for and and tolerance is such a is such a like trending word in the left and they mean something very specific when they say that mm-hmm. and they mean tolerant of our ideas they're not tolerant of all ideas they're tolerant of their ideas and that's exactly the the paradox is that they don't want to be tolerant towards ideas that they don't like because they see it as a threat to their worldview. Um, so it really has to go back to exactly what we were saying. By what standard? Yeah, the LGBTQ question of you must tolerate what we say, and now it's well, don't just tolerate us. We want to be married, and so there's that that slippery slope. But but for Christians, look, we are tolerant. I I think we are to some degree. Um, willing to be patient with people and winsomely reason with them. And I mean, you and I, we've been yelled at by (laughs) 
<laughs> pro aborts, death scorts, eggs thrown at us. I mean, come know? on, <laughs> you know. So, but we're not throwing the eggs. Yeah. So I've literally had eggs thrown at me. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Also figurative eggs <laughs> <laughs> and expletives all day. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess moving the discussion along a little bit more on that topic. You know what are the options that are out there? If if we you and I both agree that Christians should make good art, yeah. we should be advancing technology. That's part of the post mill discussion in a little bit. But whatever we do, we try to do a good job. What do we do? We all just need to start our own social media platform, or are there other options out there? Well, I you know there's some questions. <laughs> yeah, What's, what what should we be thinking about? Well, I think first of all, we shouldn't necessarily think that we have to use a social media platform that's branded as the Christian social media platform. I don't think that's how this works. Um, I think we should be taking dominion over all spheres of life, but I don't think I have to put a little crosses on my shoes, as as they say, right? <laughs> I, think, I think, was it Calvin that said that? I don't even remember. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, just because we want to take dominion over every sphere of life doesn't mean that we have to Christianize everything, to kind of brand it with Christian imagery or Christian ideas. Um, however, I think we need to do a good job at whatever we do. And whether it is a social media platform that's owned by a Christian or not owned by a Christian, it should be good at what it does. So right now, there's a couple of big options that are being talked a lot about on social media. I think the number one option right now is probably Parler. That's what everybody's saying. That's what everybody's talking about. Something like a few million people have signed up in just the last few days. (laughs) Um, And I tried Parler out actually a couple months ago, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Now, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but Parler is essentially a Twitter alternative. It's I think not so. really a Facebook alternative. It's a Twitter alternative. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I joined back in June, and I think it's more of like a Twitter. I'm just looking at it right now. Sure. And I don't, I don't love it. Uh. <laughs> well, what are the issues with it? Well, it's too cumbersome. It, it feels it's hard to navigate. Yeah. What about the content? Is Have you, have you kind of noticed that it's... Echo chambery. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I follow. Ended up following all these te- all these people. I don't even remember following them. Yeah. So that's concerning. <laughs> so I have a couple. I have a couple of thoughts about platforms like Parler. Um, whenever you advertise yourself as the free speech platform, that's going to bring all the kooks to the party. <laughs> all the people that have been banned from Facebook for being a white supremacist, all the people like that, all the people who've been banned because of various like radical conspiracy theories or what have you, they're all going to join that. And the other side, the other side probably being, I don't even know, the normies yeah, and also man. the liberals, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just the normies, the, I suppose. The chill people. The chill, regular people who just want to post about their cat and their food, which is fine. <laughs> And um, perfectly fine. My Facebook feed is all ideological or like Star Wars and jokes. It's just like one or the other. It's like really heavy ideology or like, here's a Star Wars meme that I made. Well, back in the day when I had <laughs> Facebook, I liked seeing news stuff. Yeah, news Because I don't stuff, sit in right? front of a TV rarely yeah. to watch news. So it's nice to read different. I'd have CNN. I'd have Fox News. I try to get I a little the a diversity, bit of everything. Right. I like the diversity in my feed where it wasn't just one opinion being basically repeated back to me. So if a feed, if a, if a, not a feed, but an application like Parler advertises itself as like the free speech platform and, and all the conservatives getting kicked off of Facebook or just the conservatives in general are joining it, then you're going to quickly find yourself in an echo chamber. And didn't that happen in the news recently with yeah. Parler? Yeah. Something with, oh, I, yeah. Ted Cruz was involved, I think. Uh, yeah. Ted, Ted Cruz something. endorsed Parler. And this was actually a few months ago. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, this is actually, I think, back in the summer. Um, so take that for what it will. Parler might have changed since then. I don't think it has. But apparently, because uh, certain drugs like marijuana are still federally illegal, you're not allowed to be talking about it a lot in Parler. Oh, so free so speech. So Parler is censoring people who are wanting to talk about smoking weed, uh, which is. <laughs> Not quite as <laughs> as disastrous as some things. Um, not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> and uh, apparently other liberal accounts have been getting banned, but there, there's not a really a clear way of confirming yeah, why they're know. getting banned. Uh, but it just goes to say that the, the platforms that are kind of... Uh, marketing themselves as free speech they're not free speech nor nor should they be but, yeah no but again should. what's their standard apparently the standard's federal law not being willing to talk about pot which is frankly pretty silly well and the hard thing too real quick that you made me think of yeah is when you do advertise yourself we're the conservative place 
we have bad people on our side. How oh, plenty. And I'm, I don't even, I, I'm conservative, but I'm, I'm like, I mean more libertarian conservative. Yeah. Not conservative as in the, what passes today for conservatism, which is just. I don't claim the title myself. Leftist life. I also don't call myself liberal, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm fiercely independent. So when I say our team, I mean like ideologically more closely aligned with that than not. Yeah. But you have a lot of right-wing, hyper-crazy, neo-Nazi, skinhead type. I mean, we saw them at the gun rally yeah. <laughs> last, sure. uh, earlier this year in, in Richmond. So you have that coming to you, too. So you can't... Are you just going to give them a platform for their racist nonsense? Yeah. And that's that's the question is, how do you view those things? Because if, if I own a company and I viewed my company as being able to give people platforms, I don't want to give everybody a platform, nor should I be forced to give everybody <laughs> a platform. So that's definitely a question. No, the, but but as far as these other apps go, yeah. I, I think MeWe, is that how you say it? MeWe is like a Facebook alternative. If you want to speak it in French, MeWe? MeWe? I don't know. MeWe? Yeah, MeWe, it's called. Yeah. It's been out for a while. And I, I checked that out the other day, and I'm not really a big fan of that one either. And and um, I just don't think the application is very good. Yeah. But I, I guess what, what I'm saying about these alternative apps is that I'm not trying to diss them or throw them in the mud. I'm sure there's some good people working with them and good people on them. But... I've had a lot of different social media accounts <laughs> from all the way back to like, uh, would you call like American online instant messenger or social <laughs> media, account? like aim to like Zynga. ICQ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ICQ is Friendster. Uh, then of course MySpace. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Google plus? No, no, no. Well, they, Google plus was a thing for a Google while. Plus. They tried to rival was it called Facebook. Google plus? Yeah. Yeah. It was Google something. MSN messenger was. A yeah. Thing back yeah. In the day. And, and, I feel like for a platform to be successful, they need to do at least one of two things. They need to do something really different. I think that's mm-hmm. what Instagram did. They're like, we're just going to focus on pictures. And then that's what Snapchat did with mm-hmm. their you know, very unique feature sets. Um, uh, Vine was actually really different. And then Vine got bought out. And now Vine's basically like, tic- tic- like TikTok. TikTok yeah. yeah. So there's these apps that are doing something actually different. Or they might not have to be doing something different, but they need to be doing something way better. Right. So Quality. if they're going to copy Twitter, they need to be better than Twitter. Like functionally, technically better. Same thing with Facebook. If they're going to copy Facebook, they need to be better than Facebook. And so far, I haven't seen anything that rivals like yeah. on either one of those points. Yeah, I like I like Gab. That's Gab where is I've good. Been, um, yeah. I don't know if you haven't messed around with Gab. I haven't, I, but you were just telling me about it. I, yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. I feel like it's the best of Facebook and the best of Twitter kind of combined. Yeah, which what, is what's the problem with Gab, though? Well, it's new. It's young. It's glitchy. Yeah, it's glitchy. Uh, but do they, they're expanding their servers. Do they have like servers. an iPhone app? No, yeah, no app. I think that's so the big issue, right? The, yeah. the, the Apple, the App Store won't let them in. And so <laughs> you have to save it as a shortcut on your home screen. And it works well, but yeah. it's not an app. And people like apps. We we love apps. It's got to be one-click access or nothing. Yeah, you and know? that's the hard part about it. And I've, I've been doing a lot of stuff there. I've met hundreds of people that yeah. <laughs> I started a group and people are in it. We're going to talk about Christian reconstruction. I had guys, Oh, I'm really interested. What is this? And yeah, it's really right, cool. Let's go. So now get on that ground floor. If it's actually something that has viability, I don't, you know, it's good to have be an early adopter yeah. in those, those systems. And they had uh, several million people come over too yeah. as well. But, but there's, there's this aspect of this conversation I kind of want to get into is some people are telling Christians to leave Facebook and leave <laughs> Twitter. And I'm like, no, these are platforms that give us the megaphone. I'm not going to give back that megaphone, megaphone until they pry it out of my cold, dead, deleted hands. <laughs> you know, and it's. I, I saw something on Facebook that made me laugh the other day, and I can't remember what I can't remember what show it was, and I, I can't even quote it rightly. But it was basically the idea is that that I'm not locked into Facebook. Like, like all of my Facebook followers, they're not locked in there. I can't, I can't move the... <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. The idea of we're not locked in there and we're at Facebook's beck and call. Like, like we're supposed to just succumb to them. Yeah. They're not... We're not stuck with them. They're stuck the with us. The idea is yeah. uh, they're stuck with us, yeah, right? exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think if you can take advantage of it, take advantage of it while you can. But right. if you're going to get nixed, well, you know, like Christ is king. I, I'm not... <laughs> 
<laughs> subject to Zuckerberg. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, as long as you still have a voice and you're still able to influence people for the good of the kingdom and have a good time and chat with your friends and family and all the above that Facebook and Twitter offers, then by all means, keep on doing it. And the hard part is, too, though, is when you use that as a ministry opportunity. And we've made so many great connections with people over the years through the through ministry stuff. And it's just a massive like, tool. When you're yeah. in groups, you know, Theonomy Q&A, and you're in these groups that uh, people yeah. are asking questions and you get to interact with them. And, you know, but social media isn't the be-all, end-all. I mean, it's not, it doesn't replace community and, and in-person fellowship and hugs and handshakes and tears, and but it's still really good and helpful. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, we're not going to be the pietists who say never get on it, never use it. No, let's leverage it for the kingdom, for crying out loud, as right. best as we can. right. But yeah, we're 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 not stuck with them. They're stuck with us, and of course, they're not stuck with me anymore. But you know, yeah. you're on there, so you know, yeah, you're gonna have to have an influence. You can to probably be on there in a in a way, <laughs> yeah, at least function through some groups or some pages yeah. or something. But yeah. as far as what, I hopefully, was, Facebook's not listening to this podcast. Yeah, they probably are. They probably are. Somebody is gonna tag Zuckerberg, and it's over. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> well. Yeah, good good discussion. A lot of a lot yeah. of things with social media. I kind of just for the rest of the rest of our time here, I'm really interested in what's going on in the world because it's a lot of it's unprecedented. It feels like, in a lot of ways, because we're very short sighted, we can view what it is the difficulties that we're going through as being something that's just new to us. It's novel. It's never happened before. You know, the whole election ballot counting. Well, you know, it happened in 2000 with Al Gore. So it's happened before, but we have, we're very short-sighted. We have a short memory. We don't always, we, we tend to look at our lives and the experiences that we're going through through our own lens, Yeah. right? Our own lens of experience. What's happening now is always the most important thing. Because I, you know, we drive, when we go up to my in-laws in Pennsylvania, we drive, sometimes we'll go through Gettysburg. And I, I'm always fascinated by that because you look over at the battlefield and you think, wow, like something happened there <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. And it's just now it's just a field. It's a field with grass and it's there and it doesn't look like much. But, you know, a couple hundred years ago, the Civil War, right. less than 200 years ago, something happened there. A lot of things happened. So we tend to just view the world as if things are bad in that moment, they must be getting really bad, really worse. Therefore, it's almost like a historical narcissism. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever is going on to us right now yeah. is the most important thing. That's a good way to it's put it. It's the most unprecedented thing. It's the most extreme thing. And it's just not. Yeah. Not yeah. always. You historical know? narcissism. That's coined here <laughs> on the radio show by John Reasoner. Nice job. Uh, but yeah, I think, you're, I think you're dead on. And so the, the question I guess I want to ask is how do we deal with the world around us? And we have this call to disciple the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've been told to teach them to observe what Christ has commanded. We are on a mission to disciple the world. And what do we do when things are really, really, seemingly really bad? Because I think if you live in, in speaking of conservatives, if you live only in that world, you're in fraud mode right now, <laughs> right? Fraud election mode. You are in, oh no, if Biden wins, the world's going to end. Not much is going to change. He's going to undo some things. Yeah. Um, he might start a war in Syria. He's already talked about intervening there again. I just saw that this week. Oh, yeah. Some okay. things might... The war that Trump continued. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, the war yeah. that's been going on forever. Yeah. Um, so there's just... You You look at this and you, you think, man, things are so bad. What are we going to do? How, how can we possibly... You know, it's almost crippling. Yeah. You get crippled and you're, you're stuck on your own own mindset. But the truth is, I think this is where post-millennialism comes in because we, you know, we get critics that'll say, are you still post-mill, John? I mean, look at the world. <laughs> Have you read a newspaper lately? Well, you know, we're not dealing with the Black Plague or, you know, <laughs> like massive invasions of our homeland and rape and pillaging. I think we're okay. Yeah, I think, we're I think we right. need to have some perspective. Well, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because it's a constant question. And for me, just thinking pastorally, I want to anchor us in some gospel truth. That's the big thing. Let's not look at the newspaper and be newspaper eisegetical people. Yeah. Oh, no, the headlines are bad, therefore things are bad. Right. You have right now the rapture index is through the roof, a real, <laughs> a real thing. You know, it's, oh, it, it's through the roof. Kenneth and, Copeland is screaming at the TV. Yeah, laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> but people do freak out and they think the end of the world's coming, but it's not the, it may be the end of their world in terms of their narcissism. Yeah. 
And it should be. Because they put all their identity in, in a politician. Yeah. Or what have you, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. So what hope What hope does Post Mill offer? Well, one, we believe in the gospel of the kingdom. That's when right. When Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, he first words out of his mouth, look, repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus connected the kingdom to his work and his ministry, oftentimes referring to... Uh, quoting Isaiah 61 there in, in Luke, talking about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and and this idea of the great jubilee is here, the great freedom is here, the the setting the captives free, and and that's what the gospel of the kingdom does, and it's a powerful gospel. It's something that we ought to preach and proclaim. We don't just look at the newspapers and say, hey, things are bad, maybe we should just keep quiet and hunker down. No, no. <laughs> Not at all. If things are bad, that means we should turn it up. We should turn the gospel heat up. That's right. No, you're 100% right. Well, what would you say, John, to someone who says um, things are bad, therefore obviously post-millennialism isn't true? (laughs) Well, I I would say a few things. First of all, I think they're lacking the perspective uh, that I mentioned already, is that they're thinking in terms of their own experience, their own life. They are committing the historical narcissism where they are self-centered on their own experience without actually having any historical empathy to other time periods, Hmm. where they aren't dying of the plague in 4th century Germany or whatever. The Visigoths raiding you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The Huns aren't invading. You know, the Rome's not being burned down around you. It's going to be okay. (laughs) You know, Um, the barbarians aren't at the gates. Yeah. Not right now. So I think understanding history a little bit better. But I also think that some people might be mis- misunderstanding what postmillennialism is. Mm-hmm. I think postmillennialism and the building of the kingdom does bring a lot of, one could call it temporal or worldly blessings. As the world increases in godliness, as the kingdom is built, things get better. Visible Visibly better in all ways. So whether it's technology or healthcare, education, Whatever, but that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is the actual expansion of the gospel to all the all the nations. Mm-hmm. That's the heart of it. Now that heart spreads out and affects everything else. So whenever I think of postmillennialism, the biggest historical proof, not textual biblical proof, which is obviously the key, right? But on the side, if you kind of have a sidebar conversation about historical mm-hmm. proofs, I would say look at the expansion of the gospel throughout the ages. Go look at those awesome like animated maps of mm-hmm. the gospel starting in Israel and then expanding and then expanding and then expanding and then expanding. And then it's like, oh, no, communism, the end of the world. Oh, never mind, gone. Mm-hmm. And Christianity keeps on expanding after mm-hmm. communism. And like communism was a blip, right? Everybody was so scared of it, and it was a blip. So that, to me, yeah. is so meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I also, thinking exegetically, so... There's that. There's the historical, there's right. the obvious manifestation of blessing yeah. with Western culture being blessed. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, we took that Look blessing and turned it around. Life expectancy, infant mortality rates, mm-hmm. uh, literacy rates, uh, healthcare qualities. Things aren't where they should be because there's still sin, right? There's still corruption. There's still people not reading your book on health. Yeah. Uh, there's yes. still all these different things. But I think it's hard, hard to really study the world a hundred years ago and not look at the world now and be like, oh yeah. Yeah. Clearly it's there's clearly, clearly better. <laughs> I, we have air conditioning, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are expected to live a lot longer. Yeah. The, the exegetical case I, I would want to make too with this is let's think not just post-millennially, there's a new word, but let's think covenantally. Yeah. And you might look around you and think, things are bad. How in the world could Christ be on the throne? But I would argue that the things that are bad are a fact that is Christ is on his throne, and it's proof of it. And someone might hear this and say, how, how could you possibly <laughs> say that? Well, here's why. God judges nations, Yeah, you know, tangibly. Um, recons have been teaching this for years now. God gives historical feedback in history, right? He gives feedback, covenantal feedback in history, meaning this, you can look at the visible manifestations of a social order breaking down, and you can draw the conclusion, we're being judged. Yes. Uh, Infanticide. Um, All these things, visible um, court systems clogged up, 
injustice, black men, minorities, yeah. white men too, for that matter. Some might in even prison. make a case. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm just guessing. But some make, people might even make the case that Trump was the sin and Joe Biden is the is the fruit of, the, oh. of that. He's the curse. But yeah, the it judgment. may be. Yeah. yeah, because the fact that statism is continues to go on and on and on and on, and it's not going to ever rein itself in. It never happens. Um, bullies kick down doors and shoot people dead, you know, SWAT teams, cops, um, just a laundry list of things you look at. That is a breaking down of a social order. And read Deuteronomy 28. You have blessings in the first 14 verses, and the whole rest of the book is the curses. And they're economic, they're agricultural, they're political, there's everything there. And you look at the world and you, you don't bury your head in the sand and think things are getting so bad, what can I possibly do? Yeah. No, things are bad because God is judging us. Right. So what should we do? Slaughters the millions of the preborn. Like, what do you expect? That alone. Right. (laughs) If the nation was flourishing in all perceivable ways and still slaughtering the preborn, then that actually might be an evidence against postmillennialism. God is not acting covenantally in our nation. How many of our founding fathers were slave owners? Yeah. The blessing of Western culture came. But we quick, quickly turned it into a noose when we decided to enslave blacks. Yeah, and that led to the bloodiest war in American history thus far, the Civil War. The Civil War, yeah. So covenant sanctions are huge when we talk about this. I'm, I guess my hope is to give people a little bit more of a tangible tangible hope. Yeah. <laughs> the things are bad because they're supposed to be bad, because God is allowing it to happen and orchestrating it to happen in such a way as to move his people to repentance. Right. That's the issue. And at, at this time, at this point in time, it looks like it's probably going to be a Joe Biden win. We're talking about the presidential election. Yeah. Um, I think we deserve much worse than Joe Biden, even mm-hmm. much worse. We're getting somebody who's not great by any, by any measure, right? Whether we're just talking about abortion, which is obviously going to be the hot button topic, or economics, or, or Second Amendment, or healthcare, or even foreign policy. He's really not good on anything. There are some hard leftists who actually think are pretty good on foreign policy. He's not one of them, <laughs> you know? Uh, he's not one of them. There are some, say like a Tulsi Gabbard or somebody, who's probably pretty good on foreign policy, but bad on other things. Joe Biden's not really good on hardly anything. Mm-hmm. He's probably better on Trump or I'm sorry, he's probably better on immigration than Trump. That's probably but the he's thing. still not good on immigration. Yeah, and he's the one that orchestrated a lot of these crime bills and yeah. and things that have terrible on criminal justice, just plagued communities. Yeah, so, so we we probably deserve much worse than them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to kind of paint you a biblical picture, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. You know, Genesis three fifteen is kind of the proto evangelion, the 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 first gospel. Yeah, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It didn't take long for God to give a gospel promise. That's right. He gave it very quickly. Three chapters. Yeah, and then you it's go a back. Number. Yeah, you go back into um, Genesis. 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Obviously a messianic prophecy. Something, That's right. Something talking about Jesus. And then we have the Christmas passage that everybody loves, but fails to take the post-millennialism for what it is. <laughs> Christmas is so post-mill. Yeah, it like, is. I'm sure we're going to talk about this more in a few weeks. We'll, but... get, we'll get to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, for us to, for, uh, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. And the government, the government meaning the, the weight of the rule and reign of God as the Lord, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, of his rule and his reign, and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Um, same thing in the book of Psalms, actually, Psalm 72 Eight, may he, uh, you like this verse, everybody (laughs) should, what verse don't you like? (laughs) May, may, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Yep. In Psalm chapter 2, the, the, the great psalm about um, Jesus going to the Father and the Ancient of Days per Daniel 7 and asking for the nations and, and God the Father giving him the nations. Yeah. 
Lord, uh, Psalm 1101. That's the most quoted verse in the entire Bible, quoted by the Bible in the Bible. By the Bible in the That's Bible. That's the, the Lord says, I'm sorry, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Paul picks that up in 1 Corinthians 15, talks about the footstooling of the nation. 1 Corinthians 20, 15, 25, one of my favorite verses. Yep. He shall reign until his enemies are defeated, paraphrasing. And then the last one, Habakkuk 2.14 for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So I, you know, just... That's just a smattering. That's small yeah, sampling. I did that off the top of my head this morning, or earlier, I shouldn't say this morning, but I, I I, was just thinking, okay, what verses can we just hang our hat on? Let's hang our hat on that. Yeah. You know, Acts 2, the Apostle Paul preaching, he brings up over and over again this issue of Christ who God raised up, and we were all witnesses, and he was exalted to the right hand and um, of the Father, and David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until my enemies, I make your enemies a f- your footstool. So this is Amen. view of Peter even holding up the kingdom of God and Christ is ruling and reigning now. And yeah. and man, I just, I really just wanted to end this, this um, episode on that note because too many people are depressed. Yeah. They're frustrated. They don't have any hope. We're not going to have an episode about voter fraud right now at least <laughs> yeah. we're not going to get into it but like whatever you think about that Jesus Christ reigns yeah and we need to be abiding in Christ and one thing I do want to say before we close is that that's not just a empty hollow truism and I think some people do mean it in that way where that's almost code for I'm going to continue to do nothing right uh, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like I'm going to continue into pietism but there's a lot of people saying that and they mean it And that's why I don't want to disparage it, because some of the most true things are truisms. Mm -hmm. And God's word can turn into a truism, but it doesn't make it any less true. So we do need to be resting in Christ. We do need to continue building the kingdom of God. And all those things matter, and they're practical. And it's not a call to pietism. It's Mm -hmm. a call to abide in the truth. I I love the, the idea of when David faced Goliath, he didn't say, wow, he's so big. How can I possibly defeat him? Yeah. David's attitude was, he's so big. How could I possibly miss? That's right. <laughs> that should be our post-millennial attitude towards conquering the world with the gospel through servanthood dominion. Yeah. If we're surrounded by the world, then there's more world to preach the gospel yep. to. Salt and light, indeed. All right. Well, that's it for us in this episode. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to uh, find us on Facebook if you're on Facebook. <laughs> if you're still there, <laughs> you can. Uh, we'll probably be starting Gab and MeWe pages. Yeah, we, we're gonna, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, just diversifying for whatever future may hold. Um, but also make sure you find us on lambsrain.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. God bless. <laughs>